0: Good morning. Today's scripture is Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. That's Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has high exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father thank you
1: good morning this is the first day of the week. This is the day in which Christ rose from the dead, and it's always a blessing to be together, to be able to worship in spirit and truth. So last month, we had a, a focus on the subject of love, and this month, we're going to carry into another matter. We're going to look at the power of the gospel and its effect upon us. This morning, we had our reading at the Lord's table from Isaiah 53, that ties into our study. Barry just read from us from Philippians chapter 2, Part of that is our key passage and theme passage for this month. So this morning, you're going to get a lot of that, a lot of that focus there on those those passages. I love Isaiah 53. And one of the reasons is when I open my Bible and I read about Acts chapter 8, and I see Philip joining Ethiopian eunuch, and he is reading from the book of Isaiah, and he wants to know, who is this servant? Who is suffering here in Isaiah 53? How was it that this writing was written 700 years before Jesus? And here he's reading it and and seeing this prophecy and prediction of Jesus Christ. It's one of the amazing things about the Bible. It's the only book you can find that tries to make predictions of the future. And then they come true. Over 600 prophecies and predictions in the Bible. And a part of what we're going to see this morning from Isaiah 53 ties into that. As this month is going on, our our theme passage is for us to focus in being like Christ, as He as a servant and a bondservant. And so that was the passage we had stated this morning that we'd read. That is what Barry had just read for us again. And this again, let's read it one more time, Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Have this mind also in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God and not counted equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. And he came, and as we read in Isaiah 53, it was the righteous dying on behalf of the righteous. When I read Isaiah 53 and I read the gospel message in there, I am stirred and I am encouraged. I look at this passage and I think about how the Ethiopian eunuch was converted and we can do the same thing today. We can open up our Bibles. And when I say Isaiah 53, I mean Isaiah chapter 52, starting there in verse 13, those, those last three verses, going into chapter 53 and the 12 verses there, 15 verses total. We can share the gospel with others. And when we sit down to study with someone, we can very much use Isaiah in studying as a part of our discussion so how do you explain this? How do you look at this passage here in Isaiah 53? This is a passage we know that existed hundreds of years before Jesus. In fact, one of the whole manuscripts you got from the Dead Sea Scrolls, the only one that has the whole book of a book of the Bible is the book of Isaiah. And you can read it and you can look it up online and see portions of Isaiah from the Dead Sea Scrolls. You can also look at ancient copies of the Bible in Greek that date well before Christ as well. And we have these prophecies, this this description of Jesus Christ. And when I read Isaiah 53, I don't know who else you would picture throughout history other than Christ. Now, there are some thoughts about that. Some people said, well, in the book of Isaiah, the servant is oftentimes Israel. So how do we know this is not Israel being talked about here in Isaiah 53? Some pointed out, like in Isaiah 59, there Isaiah calls himself the servant. So who is this servant in Isaiah 53? Well, he is the suffering servant, and he's found throughout the text. And one thing that stands out to me is right here. Look with me in Isaiah 53, verses four through five. Isaiah write, writes, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I want you to notice the pronouns here. He, singular masculine. And then we also have the plural pronoun or we or us. Notice this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is not talking about Isaiah and it's not talking about Israel. This is talking about God's One true servant, the one who's prophesied throughout Isaiah, the king who is to come, the branch in Isaiah 11, the one who is born of a virgin, Isaiah chapter seven, the one who will become a king, Isaiah chapter two, the one who will have an eternal kingdom, Isaiah chapter nine. This is that servant that we read throughout. He bears our griefs and carries our sorrows. And yet it says, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. You know, sometimes in our study, our Sunday morning, we do this a lot. We'll read a section of scripture and make observations about it. It's a good thing to do with this scripture right here. Just to read Isaiah 53 and say, I see this and write it down and I see this. And when you accumulate that list, look it over and what stands out to you. I see Jesus Christ in this passage. It should stir us and motivate us when we contemplate what Christ has done for us. I want to begin just with the first half today. And next Sunday, we'll look at the second half. And I might extend this for a third Sunday. But if you have your Bible, let's read this. Read it from your, your own scriptures, your own copy. Isaiah 52, starting in verse 13 We're going to read nine verses here. And Scripture says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. That reminds me of Philippians 2. We had read this morning that Christ was obedient unto death so that God exalted his name above every other name. Look at verse 14. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of men. Now you have this servant He's been marred. He's been scarred and beat up so that he doesn't look like a man anymore. You see that in the text. This is the picture, and a more, probably more vivid picture than what we get of Christ when we read the Gospels. Here it is in Isaiah being prophesied. He is marred. He has been beat up to this extent. And then it says because of what he endured. Listen to this, verse 15. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The word sprinkling often in the Old Testament had the idea of cleansing. This morning we talked about how in the Old Testament if you cleansed your house, you took a hyssop branch and you had water of purification that included a specific type of ash. And you dipped that branch in there and you clean your walls with it and you sprinkled the house. And so that's the picture here of Christ cleansing. It may be also a part of the picture of the high priest who would enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement and would sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant with blood. And so here we have that Savior, that servant. So shall he sprinkle many nations. He's going to save the Gentiles and not just Israel here. It's all people. He says, kings shall shut their mouths because of him. You see, that's kind of interesting. Every time we have a presidential race and religion comes up, they seem to shut their mouth. Try not to say anything against Jesus. Some, of the, some individuals do, but most part you still see some respect there. But when it comes to the day of judgment, all will shut their mouth at him. It says, For that which has been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. And that's quoted in the New Testament. We'll talk more about that passage. Let's keep reading. 53 and verse 1. Who has believed what He has heard from us. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the dry ground. That's the Messiah throughout Isaiah, the root of Jesse, Isaiah chapter 11. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Whether that's talking about him being marred on the cross or Jesus in in general, people did not look at him. And a lot of people didn't want to follow him. They didn't want him to be their king. And yet the scripture says this as well. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteem him not. Why is it that people reject Jesus today and despise him? They don't want to look at him or think about him or have him have any place in their life. Continue reading with me. Verse four. Who else can fit that description to say that all the sins of humanity, of all people, has been laid upon him? This morning, I want to look at five things that stand out to me from Isaiah. There may be other things there that are standing out right now in your study. First of all, when I read this passage, I'm stirred. I'm moved. This is my Savior. This is my Christ. I see what he has done for me. I see his life an example of being a bondservant and how I want to conform to him i read a prophecy hundreds of years written before Jesus was ever born. And I know that these things are true. I don't know how you can read this passage this morning, don't have a conviction, a stirring, a com- being compelled that this is true. This is what should be directing my life. This is the gospel of Christ. So this is the observations I see. Number one, many rejected the message and all have gone astray. Just as the scriptures tell us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And verse 2, people despised and forsook the servant. They forsook, they rejected Christ. Number 3, God laid the iniquity of all, the sins of everybody, on that servant. Number 4, the servant healed the righteous by his wounds. Not that they were just, but those who would come after him and follow him, he healed their wounds. Number five, many nations will see and understand. That's at the end of chapter 52. I want to look at these more in detail. Most of these passages and parts of them are quoted throughout the New Testament. They're at least they're alluded to. So instead of reading over to you again from Isaiah 52 and 53, I'm going to show you these scriptures as well. So many rejected the message and all have gone astray. And this is a part of Paul's message. In Romans chapter 10, You remember Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. We talk about where faith comes from. Paul used the passage right before that. It was Isaiah and he quotes from Isaiah 53 and verse one. And this is what Paul says. He says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. He's saying not all of Israel, not all who have heard the gospel have obeyed it. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So what's Paul saying here? It's not everybody is hearing. They're, they're hearing it, but they're not believing it, and they're not receiving it, and they're not obeying it. And that's the emphasis of Isaiah. And the point is that so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. This morning, you should be able to hear Isaiah, have faith, and believe. And Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 25, for you were straying like sheep, but I now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, 20-24 It's Peter talking in his own words of Isaiah 53. He's saying, listen, look to the example of Jesus Christ. When people reviled him and put him down, he did not revile them in return. Instead, he died for those who mocked him and spit against him and and marred him. So again, Peter says here, we have all done this. We all sin. We all need a savior. And Isaiah had been saying that from the very beginning. We see this scripture as well. Isaiah 53 talks about how Jesus was despised and rejected. This is what we read in Matthew 27. Matthew describes Jesus upon the cross and his suffering and how the rulers reacted. And it says, and those who passed by him derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. When I read Isaiah 53 and I read the Gospels, I see the same thing. I see the fulfillment of Scripture. I wonder today, if Jesus came today, if this was the time in which he came in the flesh, would people do the same thing? You know, in Luke chapter 16, I think it's Luke chapter 16, Jesus says there, actually Abraham points out this, Jesus telling that story there, and Abraham talks to the rich man who is in hell And he says, I want to go back. I want to tell my brothers. And Jesus says, even if if someone rose from the dead and came and told them, they still would not accept it if they have not received the Scriptures and listened to Moses and the prophets. So again, today, would people reject the Messiah if he came today? Yes. If he came today in the flesh, just as much as they reject the Scriptures now and they reject Isaiah 53. We want to be sure as Christians that we are not among these people. Now, we do not continue our life, even if we had despised and rejected Jesus, that we've come to him, we've repented and given our whole life to him. We don't want to do that anymore. We see this also in Isaiah 53. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. He died because of our sins, what we've done. We have a personal part in this and a personal need for Jesus to die for us. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18, Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And we've seen this throughout the passages we've studied over the last few weeks that Christ loved us so much that he died for sinners, he died for those who were ungodly, so that we would come to him. Christ suffered for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. This is the heart of the gospel. Christ came to take our place to bear our sins. It's because of us and the things that we've done that He died on the cross. We put the nails in Him. We put Him on the cross because of what we did. And He went up there and He laid down His life willingly for us. If you're a Christian, I hope this morning you can take this heart, the gospel to heart. It's Galatians 2 and verse 20. Have you ever read that passage? I hope you can confess it. Can you confess Galatians 2 and verse 20? you have your Bible, take a look at this scripture in Galatians 2 and verse 20. And listen to what Paul says. Paul says, for I've been crucified with Christ. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you confess that? I have been crucified with Christ. What he suffered for me, I'm willing to lay down my life. I am fully committed to him. Jesus came and died. He came for our freedom. He brought condemnation of sin, and he gave us a way to escape slavery from the law so that we can live by the Spirit and live free from sin. Romans chapter 8, 1-4. This is what we also see about the servant in 1 Peter 2, and verse 24. He has healed us. You know, I, I can see Jesus here. He dies. He gives himself in our place for us. But how does that bring about healing? You know, you're, you're putting the, the end of condemnation and the, and the condemnation that would deserve to us for our sins and the things that we've done wrong. But where is the healing there? I can see the peace, but where is the healing? The healing, I believe, not only comes from his death, but from the fact that he rose again. At 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that he might die to sin and live to righteousness. This is why Christ came back to life, lived to righteousness, and by his wounds, you have been healed, a quote from Isaiah 53. How can someone die on behalf of others that brings them peace and brings them healing? The Bible tells us that we need blood to atone for us. Genesis chapter 9 talks about how every one of us, by our sins, we were cursed and we deserve death, and therefore the lifeblood within us has been essentially cursed or owed back to God, And the only way to make that right is by the pure lamb of someone who's never committed a sin. In Isaiah 53, this is what we see. We see someone who is sinless, a servant who has died on our behalf, who has been able to heal us because of his blood. Leviticus 17 says the life is in the blood and that God set up sacrifices because blood brings about atonement until Christ came. This is what we see in Jesus. This is why he had to die for us. As disciples, when we hear this message, it should change us. In fact, from from Romans chapter 6 to Romans 8 and verse 17, Paul takes this gospel message out of Isaiah, fulfilled by Jesus Christ, and he says, this is what changes your life. You're struggling with sin this morning. You're struggling with worries. You're struggling with distractions, resentment, and sinful anger. Maybe you degrade yourself. The the sacrifice of Christ overcomes all those things. I want you to listen here. Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 14. And Paul says here about sin and uh, putting it away. And right before it, he says, this is how you obey the gospel. You die with Christ. You're buried with him in baptism. You start a new life. And verse 8, he says this. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, that we'll have eternal life. And he says, and we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And listen to this. Because Christ did that, listen to verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are alive in him. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. In other words, Christ died for you. He's overcome the law. He's overcome the sin. And now you need to follow his example. When we get that, we see that again in Isaiah 53. And then lastly, this morning, I want you to focus on evangelism. So at the beginning of Isaiah 53 and verse one, we saw who has believed our message, who has heard us. And right before that, in chapter 52, he says this, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. And that's a quote from Romans 15 and verse 21. Here again, Paul's quoting this passage and he says, this is how salvation comes from hearing the gospel because someone took it, took that message to someone else. This morning, if the Gospels changed you like Isaiah 53 changed the Ethiopian eunuch, take this message. Take this prophecy with you. Let it change you. Let it be a part of how you study with others. When Christ sent Paul to the frontiers of the empire to preach the truth to people who never heard, heard it before, he sent him and he said to him, I send you to do this, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness, that they'll receive the forgiveness of their sins. This is the message, the gospel of Isaiah 53. This is the ancient gospel that never gets old. It should never become old to us hearing it. It should never wear on us. We should never tire of saying, I don't want to hear the gospel anymore. I've already heard the death, burial, and resurrection. That's it. It should be something that changes us. Some churches now, they, they don't have the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. They'll have it once a month or once every six months or so. The Bible teaches the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. And for us, the Lord's Supper never becomes monotonous. It shouldn't. It should never become vain. It should never become meaningless. This morning, Justin read for us from Isaiah 53 at the Lord's table. I didn't know he was going to do that. It was very fitting for the lesson this morning. When we come to, to the Lord's Supper, this is exactly what we should be thinking of. This is the message, the core message that should compel us, motivate us, and change us. I want to finish this morning by looking. I just want you to hear this and listen to Luke 23. Here, Jesus here is on the cross. Pontius Pilate has delivered Christ up. He's been taken to the place of the skull, and he has been crucified. Luke 23, 39 through 48. So while Christ was on the cross, it says one of the criminals who's hanging railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last, and now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, surely this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breast. Nobody left the cross that day looking at what Christ did and was not disturbed or moved. And I hope this morning when we look at Isaiah, we are compelled. We give an invitation this morning ask you this morning, is Jesus your shepherd? Is he the one that you follow? Jesus said in John 10, 16, 17, I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. This morning, if you want to make Christ your shepherd, you can do that. You become a Christian, you can put on Christ and baptism. You can take part in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. You can believe and take into heart Isaiah 53 and make it a reality that changes you. This morning, whatever your needs may be, if you're struggling with sin, iniquity, if you've fallen away, we encourage you to come. If you're having hard times in your life, you're dealing with sickness and depression, let us pray with you and encourage you. We encourage you to come right now while we are standing, while we sing. Please come.